0: A few years ago, Deanne and I attended a marriage enrichment uh, weekend along the coast up in New Hampshire. And the leaders there were experts in their field, highly trained, professional Christian marriage counselors, many years of experience. But despite that, I had a lot of difficulty paying attention to what uh, one of them was saying. Uh, in the morning session, it was obvious that that one of the presenters uh, was gotten in a rush getting dressed. And uh, see so he inadvertently had uh, tucked the back of his pant leg uh, into his sock, and he pulled his sock up over his pant leg. And, uh, and, you know, I am certain that what he had to say that morning was important information, helpful and wise. Uh, but I was so distracted by uh, the comical appearance Uh, that to this day, the only thing I remember of what he had to say was the way that he was dressed. And uh, my point here is that uh, sometimes we can't receive what people tell us because what they show us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Born in Boston, educated at Harvard University, lived and is now buried in nearby Concord, Massachusetts, the famous American philosopher and lecturer Ralph Waldo Emerson is credited with the adage, what you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. Of course he is right. Actions what? Speak louder than words. Sometimes what we do can prevent people from hearing what we say. Uh, And for us as Christians, the way that we work affects the quality of our witness. And when we do our jobs with excellence, we give weight and credibility uh, to the gospel and to our verbal witness. So this morning, uh, we're going to take a look for just a few minutes at one of Scripture's most superlative examples of a person who worked with excellence. His name is Benaiah, uh, and his story is given to us in 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 11, verses 22 through 25. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to find that place. Uh, 1 Chronicles 11, verses 22 through 25, and then follow along as I read it. And Beniah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of Kabziel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two heroes of Moab. He also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. And he struck down an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits tall. The Egyptian had, a, uh, had in his hand a spear like a weaver's beam. But Benaiah went down to him with a staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and won a name besides the three mighty men. He was renowned among the thirty, but he did not attain to the three. And David set him over his bodyguard. So who was this man, Benaiah? The Scripture actually mentions him uh, rather frequently uh, during the reign of King David and, and then uh, when Solomon was king as well. Uh, but despite the fact that he's frequently mentioned, he Tends to fly under the radar and he's not paid much attention. So, who was Benaiah? Uh, he was the consummate career military man. Scripture explains that King David uh, divided Israel's army into 12 different divisions. Each division had 24,000 troops uh, and they would rotate and serve uh, each one for one month. Benaiah was made the captain of the third division. Uh, and we're told that his son, uh, was actually did the work of that uh, leadership. We're also told that Benaiah was the most renowned member and the leader, in fact, of this select group of loyal warriors known as David's 30 Mighty Men. These would have been historical forerunners of our military elite today, the Army Rangers or the military uh, marine raiders or the Navy SEALs or uh, whichever group that you favor. Uh, But we might say that Beniah was like a real-life Top Gun maverick. He was one of the most famous and renowned among all the special forces of that day. And and so that's who he was. And because of his exceptional and loyal service, uh, trusted service, he was made... uh, captain of King David's bodyguard, one of the most trusted and important positions in the entire administration. Later, uh, because of his unwavering loyalty, because of the excellence of his service, when King Solomon became co-regent, Benaiah was promoted to be the general over the entire Israel army uh, uh, to displace the disloyal and treasonous General Joab. Uh, and so you see that he had this distinguished military career, uh, and the Scripture says, uh, as we're introduced to him in our text, that he was a doer of great deeds. Uh, and it's it's kind of interesting to, to see how that phrase is translated in different uh, translations. The Christian Standard Version uh, puts it that he did many exploits. Uh, and the Contemporary English Version says, He did some amazing things. I like that. He did some amazing things. And so I want us this morning for just a few minutes to look at these amazing things that this man did uh, at work. uh, And we're going to take them in reverse order, okay? Uh, So first of all, notice with me that Beniah was highly skilled in his work, okay? In verse 23, uh, we're told that he struck down an Egyptian who was a man of great stature, five cubits tall, uh, and so we're told uh, by Bible scholars that that would be approximately seven and a half feet tall. You know, uh, he would stand in there with people like you know Shaquille O'Neal and and people of that uh, that height. You know, a tall guy. Uh, he had a spear in his hand like a weaver's beam. Well, when's the last time you had a weaver's beam? You know, so I had to look that up. And 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 at the top of the loom, there's this large. Wooden post that goes from one end to other, and then it supports all of the thread that has been weighted to kind of keep it in place. And so there needs to be this this uh, rather robust uh, beam that 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 spans uh, the length of the loom. And so it would be something you know maybe the width of a of a softball or something like that. And so he's got this this spear that is that thick in his hands. Imagine what the point of that spear must have looked like. But uh, Beniah went down to him with a staff, which was basically a stick with a crooked part at the top of it. And uh, he snatches the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and kills him with his own spear. We well, think about that. He said, Well, what does that say about this man? Well, you know, he was a brave soldier, but it was more than that. I mean, think about his opponent. Uh, he had superior strength because of his height. He had to be much stronger muscularly. Uh, he had uh, superior armament. You know, this uh, Benaiah comes to him with a stick, and he's got this, this spear with a, the thickness of a weaver's beam in his hand. And so uh, he, he approached a vastly superior opponent, but he was the victor. It wasn't that he had superior strength, or that he had superior height, or that he had superior weaponry, but he had superior skill. And he was more skilled with his stick than that Egyptian was with his spear. And that's the kind of man he was. He was highly skilled in the work that he did. And you and I need to be like Beniah in our work, whatever your job is, to teach a class of energetic, exhausting kindergartners, to brew a cup and and serve it of cappuccino down at the local Starbucks, to plow snow off of a customer's driveway, to lead God's people in worship, to teach a Bible class. Whatever you do, be skillful at your work and do it with excellence. The Scripture says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. That is to say as the representative of Christ. And we serve Christ even in our secular positions as the Scripture says that we read earlier. Uh, And from Him we receive the reward. He deserves nothing less than our very very best. Be skilled in what you do. There's variations of that, uh, what's known as the five P's. Some of our military folks here may have heard that uh, knocked around in the past. and uh, It's been espoused, the five P's, in many different places. It seems to have first appeared as a slogan for an infantry division during World War II. And the version that I learned when I was just a young man, uh, just getting started uh, as an employee, and it has stood in good stead throughout the, my entire life. And I just encourage it for your, your consideration. Prior preparation prevents poor performance. Have you heard that before? Any of our military folks heard that? There's actually a 6P, but I can't, I can't use that in here. And, uh, and so there's variations of that. Prior preparation prevents poor performance. I have found that following that simple little slogan has been the key to helping me to do my work with excellence. And doing things at the last minute, uh, procrastinating, uh, almost always ends in mediocrity. And that undermines the gravity and the seriousness of our words when that's how we perform on the workplace. Do the five Ps. Prepare ahead of time for the work you do, and you'll do your work with excellence. Be like Benaiah. Do your work as a highly skilled worker. Secondly, notice that Benaiah did not avoid difficult tasks. This is such a such a vivid uh, Scripture here. In the second part of verse 22 it says that he also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. Now <laughs> Lions, uh, Asiatic lions, are still in existence. Uh, historically, they were in abundance even in the land of Israel. Of course, and they're no longer present there, but they still exist in the jungles of India. Uh, they're related to the African lion, yet a bit smaller. Nevertheless, they can weigh up to 500 pounds. How would you like to face a 500-pound lion? They are equipped with powerful claws, as, is all, as are all lions, and, and sharp, large, dagger-like teeth uh, that they use to uh, drag their prey to the ground and rip open their flesh. And then the pit that uh, all of this took place in was most likely uh, what is referred to as a cistern. The, the ancient people would, would chisel out of the bedrock pits uh, so that they could collect the rainwater and have a reservoir for water for their needs. Or they would dig them in the ground and then line them with, with mortar uh, in order to hold the water. And, uh, and so uh, they would generally be steep on the sides, deep, uh, and uh, with a small opening at top. And so the lion was unable to escape. Uh, and if Benaiah went down there, he would also be unable to escape. Uh, He was making a commitment here. This was this was he was putting himself at at great risk. Uh, It was do or be or you know kill or be killed. It was there was no retreat from the pit, and uh, and so he goes down into this pit or cistern, uh, and then it says as if that wasn't enough, all of this occurred on a day when snow had fallen don't think about that I mean that's easy for us to understand the conditions on a day that snow falls you know it's cold it's wet and it's slippery and so what we have here you know the the scripture is giving us a picture of a difficult job times three all right Uh, it's hard enough to kill a lion even under the best of conditions would you agree with that I mean that's a tough job right there And then to have to do that down in a pit where you can't get out. Do or, or, you know, kill or be killed, you know. There's just no retreat. That makes it even twice as hard. And then to do it on the day of all days when there's snow out there and it's slippery and slick. It's difficult times three. And yet, Benaiah, because he just, you know, he just rolled up his sleeves and got the job done. He became famous. He became so well-regarded and held in, in high esteem among his peers. Uh, and because of tasks like that, King David put him in charge of the bodyguard. You see, he wasn't afraid to do difficult jobs. Now, all of us, somewhere on your to-do list or your uh, your inbox, the email inbox, there's, there's one of those emails, I know, or there's one of those items on your to-do list that just keeps... You know, you never get to delete it. You never get to scratch it out because it's one of those difficult jobs that, you know, you just, you know, just can't seem to get up for it. We all have those in our lives, uh, and to serve with excellence, we need to be willing to do the difficult jobs. I had one of those <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. A Haitian pastor who serves a church down in Hyde Park, uh, who had uh, immigrated to the United States. Uh, under a refugee, uh, you know, uh, status, and he had to. And his wife is still back in Haiti, and, and it's been years, and they've been separated. He's unable to go back to see her because he would never be let back into the country, uh, and uh, and so she's been. They've been separated for years, and so he wanted to change his immigration status uh, to a different category, uh, and he asked me for help because our. Our ministry is is kind of the umbrella ministry of that church, and and so uh, they needed some kind of uh, you know entity to kind of vouch for him, and and uh, never again, friends, will I will I do that. I mean, we got this thick uh, packet in the mail uh, from from the from the U.S. government, uh, and with all kinds of questions, and uh, uh, normally uh, an immigrant would pay a, a rather significant a sum of money to a professional attorney uh, to complete this kind of application form. And here I am, uh, you know, just trying to make sense out of all of this tedious information and what it meant and what they were asking for. And I, that was a lion in a pit on a snowy day. That was difficult times three for me. And I remember I put that off. I was not like Beniah I just procrastinated until the, the last minute the 11th hour. And and there was a deadline that that had to be on their desk. And so finally we set a day with this pastor to come to my office and we sat down. And when I got in the office that morning, I cried out to the Lord, Lord, help me get this job done. I am just not equipped for this. This is not my skill set. It's not what I'm familiar with. And he came in and God answered that prayer. And i tell you, it was just a, a surprise to me how We're able to maneuver through those questions and providing all the documentation, answering all the questions. And at the end of the day, we put it all together in an envelope and he put it in overnight mail delivery uh, to the governmental office. We all have lions, figurative lions in the pit on a snowy day. And to serve with excellence at work, we need to be willing to do the hard tasks. Sometimes they are not difficult per se, but they're difficult for us because we're just not motivated to do certain things. You know what I'm saying? There's certain jobs that are just tedious and, you know, they're just not exciting and we don't like to do those. Uh, and that can be you're lying in a pit, but we all have them. And then finally notice here that Benaiah, he had this pattern of excellence. He repeatedly did remarkable things, as as some of the translations put it, He did many exploits, many amazing things. And so the the sense of when you read this, this, you know, biographical sketch of this career military man, you see that that he just has this pattern of doing things with excellence. Uh, The text mentions just three of those. Uh, uh, He defeated not just one of Moab's great warriors, but he defeated, in fact, two of them. Uh, sometime later on a cold, wet, slippery day, he climbed down into a pit and he killed a lion. And then again, as if that wasn't enough to, to, to you know, uh, he, he took on this giant Egyptian with a, with a humongous spear and defeated him with something nothing more than a stick. And so he had this, this pattern uh, of excellence that they just, just followed him in his work. And uh, that consistency of doing things well is what we learn from Him. We need to do that consistently. Uh, uh, One project after another, repeatedly, week in and week out. Uh, That is what adorns the gospel in our lives. That is what gives credibility to our witness. And, And when we consistently do our work with excellence... In the book, Work Matters, the author, whose name is Tom Nelson, tells a story about a man whose name is Steve Sample. I don't know if that name uh, rings a bell with anyone. Steve Sample worked as the president of the University of Southern California for 19 years. He was a modern-day Beniah. Until his retirement in 2010, he is considered by many... Uh, to be the greatest university president of his generation, renowned. During his tenure, the USC rose dramatically in the college rankings, and, and uh, Time Magazine, Princeton Review, named the USC the college of the year in year 2000. Uh, Steve Sample was exceptionally effective as a fundraiser. And he led the effort uh, to raise nearly $3 billion for the school. Its endowment rose to $4 billion, which was almost 10 times the ima- initial amount when he took on the presidency. Prior to his arrival, USC had the reputation of being a second-choice school. You know what a second-choice school is. Uh, that is, uh, this is the place to go uh, if a gifted student wasn't accepted as, at a more elite university. But due to his skills and his excellent service, USC was transformed. They hired Pete Carroll, you know who Pete Carroll is, to lead the USC Trojans, and he took them to their very first national football championship. The university landed its first Nobel Prize. And the university rose dramatically in academic rankings to become one of our nation's elite universities. On May the 14th, 2010, in his final commencement address, Sample spoke to 40,000 students, graduates, family members, faculty, administration, benefactors, and friends. 40,000 people gathered together to hear the words of this modern-day Beniah, who had served consistently that university community for 19 years and catapulted it to to a, an elite status. I'd like to read to you an excerpt of that commencement speech that he delivered that day. He asked the students a completely unexpected, and some might think, inappropriate question. He asked them, how do you feel about God? And then he continued with these words. Say what? God? Did he say God? Why would anybody bring up God at a secular commencement ceremony? Surely most of us, as modern intellectuals, have grown beyond the point at which God or our relationship to Him is a serious question. But wait a minute, he said. Let me assure you that I'm not trying to sell you a set of religious beliefs. The question is not how should you feel about God, but how do you feel about God? What I have found, he continued is that the vast majority of people duck this question altogether it's simply too scary or too overwhelming for them to address in any serious way there are millions of agnostics many of them right there listening to his words who have concluded that questions pertaining to god are simply unanswerable or unimportant and yet who find it impossible to fully suppress their concerns for the spiritual and transcendent aspects of their own existence. One of the painful realities we must confront is that we, in the final analysis, are fully and completely human with all the unsettling and uncomfortable characteristics which that word connotes. We as humans... We are fully human and no more human than our brothers and sisters in ancient Egypt or modern Mongolia. Imagine how that went over with that crowd that day. But it's true. One of mankind's deepest and most abiding concerns for all times, in all places, and for all peoples is our feeling for and relationship with God. And then he closed. My point is that you may be able to run from your true feelings about God or non God, but it is very difficult to hide from them in the long term. Thus, it's probably to your advantage to discover and to confront these feelings sooner rather than later. Steve Sample, a modern day Beniah, had earned the right. To be heard. He was an administrative genius, widely considered one of the most gifted academic leaders of his generation, whose efforts catapulted USC from a second-ranked school to an elite university. People respected what he had to say because of the excellency, the excellence of the way he worked. And because he did his job with excellence, People listened when he spoke to them about God. Let you and I be like Beniah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for such an inspiring example of this character so often overlooked in Scripture. Whose consistency, whose loyalty, whose skill who's excellent at work, Lord, is an example to us of what we ourselves can be like and we're reminded by the teaching of Scripture that when we serve the Lord with such excellence as He deserves, we give weight and credibility to our witness. Let us, Lord, be like Benaiah and we draw, Lord, from Christ alone for our strength to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.